Amen. So today is week four of our series on seeing the gospel, seeing life through the gospel. That we want to be able to look at life and everything that happens and see it through a gospel lens. So far we've talked about how we have been created for good. And these four circles that you see are actually, uh, were a gentleman named James Chung came up with them. And you see that first circle of created to heal, that there's an outer circle and there's an inner circle. The outer circle is the world and the inner circle is relationship with God and relationship with one another. So we are designed and created for good. The world was designed and created for good. But because of the fall, it was damaged by evil. You can see those lines that, that both the outer circle of the world has been damaged and the inner circle of relationship with God and one another has been damaged by evil. So Jesus came on a rescue mission. And you see in this third circle, the outward one is still damaged, but through the cross of Christ, Jesus restores relationship with God and then allows us to to restore relationship with one another. And it's not because we're so good. It's not because we deserved it. It's not because we've earned it or did some certain thing, but because of God's grace and through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he has rescued us and reclaimed us for better. And now today we are in the passage of restoration, that we have been sent to heal. That God has restored us, he is restoring everything in the end, and so he is sending us to a broken world to bring his healing. But before we can do that, we need to experience God's healing ourselves. Romans 1.16 states, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The gospel, the good news, is the power of God. And when we preach the gospel, when we live the gospel, the power of God is both in us and released through us. And God wants to release us. He wants to send us to heal. And the way we do that is through the gospel. And let me remind you that often when we hear about the gospel, we think about the afterlife, that Jesus has come to save us from an eternal separation from God, and that is true, and I believe that. What we often forget is that the gospel is powerful for here and now too. The gospel is not just about the afterlife, but it's for all of your life. It's for the here and now. It's for everything and everyone. When we track back through history, we actually discover that many of the great institutions that we think are normative in our society were actually created by Christians who cared about the here and now and not only the afterlife. Modern day hospitals find their origins in the fourth century in Rome by Christians. They want to reach out and bring healing to those around them. And so we track back hospitals all the way back to the 4th century. Universities in the U.S., some of, most of the Ivy League universities were started by Christians as theological institutes to share Jesus within the contemporary society. 
Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Rutgers, just to name a few, were started as theological institutes. When you look at ending slavery, William Wilberforce, Frederick Douglass, all people of faith who work towards abolishing slavery. The gospel is not just for the afterlife, it's for all of life. And it should transform the way that we live, that the way we work, that the way we go to school. It should transform it all. If you want to underline, circle, highlight a verse for this morning, it is Ephesians 2.10. If you have a Bible, take it on out. Also, we're on the YouVersion app. If you don't have a Bible, we can gift you a paper one at the Welcome Center. But it says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has created you as good. God has designed you for good. We are his masterpiece, his Mona Lisa, the pinnacle of his creation. But not only that, we have been given a purpose. He planned things for us to do long ago. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. A very common question that we're asked when we're young is, what do you want to be? Or actually, what do you want to do when you grow up? Sometimes people ask what you want to be, but often is, what do you want to do? I remember hearing about one kid when asked that question, he said, I want to be a dinosaur when I grow up. I don't think it quite works that way. But even as we get older, when you meet people, what is a common question you ask, probably in the first five questions of meeting somebody? What do you do? And we ask people what they do, and so much of our identity of who we are is based off of what we do versus who we are becoming. And I believe God wants to work in both areas. He wants us to be certain people, and he wants us to do certain things. Some of the things that our contemporary society like to, us to find our identity in is work, sexuality, Influence, our jobs, our position in society. And our identities often can get wrapped up in all these things and we can forget that God has a purpose for our lives. And God's purpose is greater and surpasses any job. It surpasses your sexuality. It surpasses influence. It's something bigger. The Westminster Catechism, which is the short catechism of the Anglican Church, when asked the question of what is the chief purpose of man or mankind, answers it this way. Man's chief end, and when you say man's, it means all humanity's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. When we hear statements like that, they sound so lofty and holy, and it makes you think of people coming in worship, like we need to be in the church building all the time, glorifying God forever. What really that mean, glorify means is to make bigger. And our lives are supposed to be characterized so much by God that when somebody looks at us, they don't just see us, but they see God and us pointing towards God. That when your life is lived for the glory of God, 
You will not look at attracting people to yourself. You will not look at your growing influence or growing something for yourself. But you'll say, how can I live for the glory of God? It's not just about attending a church service. It's not about singing a song. We glorify God. It's really about this and what you do for the other six days of the week. That is where it really comes out. Are you living for the glory of God? Is your life pointing people towards God's glory? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Our whole lives are meant to point people towards God. Your life, it's been said, your life should only make sense if God exists. That if you are a follower of Christ, people should look at you and say, wow, your life is different. Why is it this way? And it should point people towards God and say, the reason I live this way is because of him. Even our employment, even where we go to school, even in our neighborhoods, we are meant to glorify God. Here's a short video about work as worship. work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days in our calendars that have meaning. Every day on Mission for God brings us great joy. 
Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship. Our whole lives are meant to be lived for the glory of God. Our whole lives, our whole existence. And if you don't work, that's okay. That means if you're at home, you're meant to live for the glory of God. If you're in school, you're meant to live for the glory of God. In your neighborhoods, in the marketplace, wherever you go, our lives are meant to be lived for the glory of God. And with this, our life should become an adventure. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, God has prepared in advance things for us to do. So in a sense, God has led us on a treasure hunt. That before even you were around, God said, there's things in my mind that I have for you to do, and I want you to discover those things. If you're into Marvel movies, maybe you've seen the Easter eggs in there, that all of a sudden you're like, wait, that's from a different movie. And the same thing God is doing, he's laying out things for you to do throughout your life. We should look at it as an adventure, a treasure hunt. Once in a while I have deja vu, and and deja vu is kind of like where you feel like you've been or done something before, and it's usually the mundane things that I have it in. And every time I have deja vu, I think that God is reminding me that I'm on the right path. That God is saying, okay, With all the meandering that you're doing, with all the different paths, you are on the right path, Mark. And what if we began to look at life as a treasure hunt? What if we began to look at the detours from our chosen destination as actually God leading us in a certain direction for his glory? How would that change how we respond to things that happen to us? I just read about a person who was in full-time ministry in the church that they were pastoring closed down. And so they ended up applying for jobs and ended up getting a job with the FBI by some random chance. First day at the job, they discovered a couple other Christians there. Over time, they developed a Bible study and then this gentleman continued to work for the FBI and planted a church with people from the FBI they probably wouldn't have laid out that plan for themselves. But as they followed God's lead, God said, just keep following my purpose. Keep doing the next thing and you'll discover what I have for you. Martin Luther King Jr. Do you think it was his plan to lead the civil rights movement? Do you know how he ended up leading the civil rights movement? He was a pastor at the time And he invited a group of people to have a meeting in his base basement to organize a bus boycott after Rosa Parks. And he went down to this meeting and somehow he got put in charge of the meeting. And through being put in charge of that meeting, over time, he became the leader of the civil rights movement. It probably wasn't on Martin Luther King Jr.'s agenda to lead the movement, but God had a plan and purpose for him. And he walked into the next thing and God continued to use him. Faith is meant to be put into action. Faith is meant to be put into action. Faith is not passively sitting there and saying, I believe something. It is meant to be acted on. 
When we look at Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, almost all of those, if not all of those, are meant to be lived in relationship with other people. Your faith is meant to be lived out. And if you're struggling with your faith, usually there's two key things that have happened. One is maybe your spiritual practices have faded off. The prayers, the Bible, the going to church, participating in Christian community. Or the other area that's faded is service. I can tell you some of the best experiences I have had with Jesus is, yes, by myself, but also in serving others and giving my life away. I can tell you if you attend the spring carnival, it will be great. If you serve at the spring carnival, it will be even a greater blessing. I can tell you we have great things at the farmer's market for you to come and shop for, but if you serve at the farmer's market, you will be even more blessed. Because it's a biblical principle. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Receiving is good. Having God pour things into your life is great. But giving them away is even better. And if we want to live out our faith, put it into action, we need to practice it. If you're into hobbies, if you're into sports, if you're into any crafty things, you need to practice it. You need to do it to become better at it. And the more you do it, the better you become at it. If you're not comfortable sharing your faith, at some point you have to say, I'm going to start to share my faith. And over time, as you share your faith, it becomes more and more comfortable sharing your faith because you're practicing it. If you're not comfortable serving, at some point you have to say, I'm going to serve. And as you serve, it becomes more comfortable. Because you're doing it, you're practicing it. And as we serve, as we go, it's not in our own power, it's not in our own strength. It is with the strength that Christ has given us. God's presence goes with us. The spirit of God within us empowers us to do what he's asking us to do. And this isn't just about experiencing God. It's saying, whatever happens on this path, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. Or as Eugene Peterson put it, long obedience in the same direction. I'm going to keep going on this path and purpose that God has laid out for me. If we expect God to send us to the world around us. He first has to transform us. If we expect to be vessels of his healing in the world around us, we need to experience his healing. If we expect to go with the forgiveness of Jesus, we need to experience the forgiveness of Jesus for ourselves. If we want to be vessels of hope, we have to be people who are filled with hope. If we want to bring the peace and wholeness, the shalom of Jesus, we need to be filled with the peace and shalom and wholeness of Jesus. You cannot give away what you do not have. And my prayer for you this morning, for all of you, is that you would experience God in his fullness so that we could be sent out of here in his power. Because if you are not experiencing God, what are you giving away to others? Nothing. And I want to give us a moment this morning to pray for God to do a work in our lives. 
and that it wouldn't end with us, but that it would change us. Just like we sang this song earlier today about a young lady who experienced the healing of Jesus, and because of that healing, she wrote a song and said, I want to give this away to others, and I want people to experience what I have experienced. And that's my prayer for you today, is that you'd experience what God wants you to experience today. That if you're in need of forgiveness, if you're in need of healing, restoration, if there's something else that's going on in your life, we want to pray for you today. In James 5, 13 to 16, it says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. They have sinned. They will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We want to take a moment this morning, and if you want prayer for anything, we're going to have some people up front here to anoint you and pray for you. We believe in Scripture tells us to anoint and pray for those and trust that God will bring his healing, his restoration. And so if God is speaking to you this morning, and you are in need of healing or some other thing that you want prayer for, we just want you to come forward during this last song and be prayed for, trusting that God will meet you in that moment. I believe if God is going to send us to heal, first we need to meet with him and then go from there. Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that this morning, that these moments would be powerful for them. I pray for the people online who are watching God, that you would have them encounter you in a new way if they need healing, restoration. And Father, in these moments, may you do a powerful work transforming us so that you can not only bring healing to us, but bring healing through us. May the living water come to us and not stop with us, but flow out of us and through us. Jesus, bring your healing this morning. Amen. If any of you would like prayer for anything, come on forward and we have people to pray for you.